Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome back in on a Monday. It's the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. I want to again apologize for the uh, the late podcast. It was supposed to go on Friday, as you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every week. Uh, I had a doctor's appointment on Friday, so I had to get the podcast done early. I finished it, and right as I'm like cutting it up and stuff and getting ready for upload, my computer crashed, and I did not have time to go back and record before my doctor's appointment, and then the radio show. So I had to do it on Saturday. In case you missed that show on Saturday... It didn't really get shared or anything. It did show up in your podcast feed, though. But in case you missed it, uh, it is available for you. I did it Saturday afternoon or so, and we talked about a couple of things. Uh, The first one was uh, there is something that college football can do but will not do to save their season. And it involved a a Washington Post story that came out uh, where Momo Sonogo was um, a featured part of this story. It, It was a a call between a handful of SEC football players and medical people and leadership at the league office uh, discussing their concerns and plans and stuff for the start of this season. So uh, I think we learned something from that article. There's something that they can do, but they refuse to do that would really help them save their season. And also we did uh, a look at uh, the 10-game schedule and what that means for Ole Miss. I, I do expect... The schedule to be released sometime this week, maybe even today. So hopefully I'm not recording a podcast that is um, uh, futile here in a little bit. So um, hopefully not. Maybe they'll do it like tomorrow night. And so for Wednesday's podcast, we can have uh, something to talk about. But I do anticipate that schedule is going to be released this week. But in the meantime, there's some reaction there on Saturday's podcast if you want to go back and listen to that as well. Today we've got a handful of things. The first is going to be Ole Miss picked up uh, since the last time we spoke a couple of um, of commitments. I think they both happened on Friday, actually, but it's just another example of something that we talked about a couple weeks ago. There is no reason, and there was no reason at all, to panic about Ole Miss's recruiting class, no matter what the mayor was retweeting, and uh, we'll get to that. We'll also look at the, uh, the Pac-12's players thing and their list of demands and take a look at that because there's a couple of things that you can take away from that. One, uh, not all the demands are going to be met because some of them are completely out of the Pac-12's hands. Two, some of them are absurd. And three, because of the first two, there are things in there that are good that I would support that may not get approved because of the ridiculousness of the other stuff. So we'll look at the Pac-12's uh, list of demands, at least some players, they are supposed to start camp soon. And we'll see exactly how many players are actually boycotting because if the number is not that large, they're going to push on and the movement is going to be uh, for nothing, if we're being honest. So we'll get to both of those today. Uh, but first, I do want to remind you that the podcast every day is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue amazing weather we've got this week so perfect time to get out behind the grill or of course stop by and get one of their daily lunch specials but man it felt like fall this morning it's 9 30 as I record this 81 degrees where I sit 
I mean, it was one of those days where it felt like fall. You, you guys know those days where you get some of them in the summer where, like, there's a slight breeze and there's a little bit of chill to that breeze. And, it, like my wife pointed out this morning, like, you can hear cars driving off in the distance for some reason, uh, even though your neighborhood's not close to any major highway. Like, you just, the sounds and the, the smells and the feel, we got that this morning. It was that little fall tease that you get every so often in the summer, uh, especially here in the south. We got that today, so the weather this week is going to be perfect for some evening grilling if you want to do that. So go buy LBs, tell Greg we sent you, and uh, the best place to buy meat in Mississippi. So stop by just across from Kroger, University Avenue there in Oxford, the best place in Mississippi to get your meat, and the weather could not be better to do, to do just that this week. All right, let's start with the uh, the Ole Miss commitments. Both of these happened on Friday. First, uh, Ole Miss got a commitment from a three-star defensive end, Gibran Hawkins, if I'm saying that name correctly, uh, is a three-star defensive end. Uh, he's a guy that uh, is from Lawrenceville, Georgia, so Ole Miss continues to reach beyond the borders of the state of Mississippi, which is a good thing. Uh, and Arkansas, Memphis, Mississippi State were among the offers. Not the greatest offer sheet in the world, but uh, clearly Ole Miss saw something they liked uh, with this kid uh, from Lawrenceville, Georgia. And uh, shortly thereafter, uh, Ole Miss got another commitment from a four-star outside linebacker named Dink Jackson, and he's from Melbourne, Florida. Uh, so yet again, Ole Miss going outside of the state to nab uh, what is, in this case, a high-profile player. He had offers from Alabama and Auburn and Baylor and Florida and Florida State and LSU and Michigan. This was a high-profile kid uh, that they were able to secure on Friday. And uh, look, one three and one four-star does not just dramatically change the face of a recruiting class, right? I mean, we all know that. But this is just another example of why the the hand-wringing. And you know where most of it came from, right? It was uh, people that are Mississippi State fans in the media or, or pushing an agenda or the mayor of the town for some reason. Um, wanted to talk about Ole Miss's recruiting class in July. And because people like them do stuff like that, because they like to stroke the flames or whatever, um, people start to question things. And so my text messages tell you that Ole Miss fans were starting to to question things and wonder if what all these people were saying is true. Is Ole Miss's recruiting class really a dumpster fire? And you have these people that say that, uh, well, Lane it's the same people that have the same thought. Lane Kiffin's not going to win at Ole Miss. And also, Lane Kiffin's going to leave Ole Miss after one year because he doesn't like it. Okay, so those two thoughts, juxtapose them together. Lane Kiffin is not going to win at Ole Miss. But yet also, Lane Kiffin is going to win so much in one year at Ole Miss, he's going to get a better offer than an SEC West program. I know it's not the elite one, but after a pandemic, he's going to get a better offer than what Ole Miss offers him after one season of winning. Those are mutually exclusive thoughts. It's ridiculous. Anyway, so so you had that going on, and, and that's what led to a lot of questions. And most of you understood the fact that, well, it, it's July. There's no visit dates. It's during a pandemic. They're also really tapping in. Uh, to the transfer portal and acquiring talent in different ways than just a recruiting class. And if you look at who they've acquired via transfer portal, 
Um, it's guys that are talented that were recruited by other places uh, that can help you win right now. And, and I told you that a couple weeks ago, and I got a couple of DMs from some of you that were just like, thank you, because people need perspective. And I appreciate you sending me messages with feedback from the podcast, by the way. I would love to hear more from you, things you like, things you don't like. Just conversation. I love talking sports, so reach out to me if you feel like responding to anything that was said here. I'm, I'm all ears, man. Criticism, praise, doesn't matter, anything in between. I'd love to hear from you. But what I told you then still holds true today. But what I told you then was don't panic because it's still July. They're going to fill a class. They're going to be selective. They're going to get guys in the transfer portal. And since that podcast, they get a receiver that was at Florida through the transfer portal. They get a defensive end, and they get a linebacker, uh, one of which was a really high-profile recruit. And Ole Miss's recruiting class went up like 11 spots. I mean, that's why talking about recruiting in a positive or negative way in the summer is a really stupid thing to do unless you're applying the appropriate context. Because again, right now, Ole Miss moved up 11 spots in the recruiting ranking, and they're still 70th with nine commits. There is not a single program ahead of them that has as many or fewer commits as them. But Ole Miss's average star rating right now is higher than almost everybody in front of them until you get, I mean, mean, I'm in the 40s. Mississippi State's class is pretty good right now. Their average star rating is 3.2. They have three four-stars and ten three-stars. Not bad. Uh, but by and large, Ole Miss's average star rating is significantly better than 70th because you have to, again, apply the appropriate context. And when you look at other uh, people in the SEC, especially ones with new coaches like Arkansas, for example, um, Arkansas's class, if you just looked at it, it's great right now, and I've seen local media there in Arkansas praise Sam Pittman for his early recruiting, and wow, he's really going to turn it around. Arkansas has 18 commits, zero four-stars, 17 of which are three-stars, and a 2.83 average star rating. Arkansas is 26th in the country, Ole Miss is 70th in the country, and I would take Ole Miss's class right now over Arkansas's because the top-end talent exists, where in Arkansas's case it doesn't. Because yet again, here's another shining example of why you don't talk about recruiting positively or negatively without context in the summer. But those are two needed good pickups for Ole Miss. I still anticipate they're going to build the recruiting class the way that I've described a few times to you. It's going to be different than what you're used to. They're not going to fill up a class with bodies that they don't think will uh, contribute in signing kids just to sign kids. They're not going to sign kids just based on location. If a kid's from Mississippi that they don't think can contribute on their football team, they're not sending them a scholarship offer. Uh, That's how it's going to work. It's going to look different. They're going to use the portal. They're going to use JUCO, and they, of course, are going to sign high school kids. But there was no reason to panic then. There was no reason to think anything like what you saw some people think back then, and there's still no reason to think that now. It's it's August 3rd in the middle of a pandemic, and you might not get visit dates at all during the season. There's still a deck that is stacked against Ole Miss right now, but there was never any reason to panic at all. And you guys already knew that. If you listen to this podcast every day, you knew that already. 
there was no reason to panic, and there still isn't a reason to panic. And uh, two good pickups uh, after the whole drama with the mayor and and all that good stuff. So let's move on. The big story from the weekend is the Pac-12 players. And you don't know how many. Uh, They didn't put their names on it. They just said um, Pac-12 players on the letter, if I'm remembering correctly. I've got it pulled up. I might as well just scroll down and read it to you. Players of the Pac-12. So you don't know how many. A handful of them uh, tweeted uh, a graphic that showed that they were in favor of the boycott. But you don't know how many, and you don't know from what schools, and I I don't think we'll find out until camp begins, uh, released their list of demands. And... I talked about it a lot on the Sunday show. If you subscribe to that podcast feed, uh, you can hear extended thoughts here. But I'm going to do the same thing here as well. I'm not going to make you leave this podcast and go to another one. Um, in reaction to this letter. So the first thing is, before we continue, I support players benefiting from their name, image, and likeness. I don't think it'll ruin college football. I've talked about it on this feed before, on the radio show, wherever you hear me. I've expressed my support for players benefiting from their name, image, and likeness. I think they should be allowed to do it. I am a capitalist uh, by nature, and I think you are worth whatever the market dictates that you are worth. I think the name, image, and likeness will go far beyond helping football players. Uh, The examples I used a while ago were Braden Thornberry. I mean, a guy like him, a high-profile national championship-winning golfer, uh, currently cannot teach lessons and get paid for it. But little Johnny wants to learn how to play golf, and mom could sling 100 bucks to Braden Thornberry for a lesson, or 50 bucks for a lesson, whatever it is, and they can make money that way. It's, it extends far beyond football players, but I am a capitalist. I do think uh, you are an adult uh, when you turn 18, and you should be able to do a car commercial if somebody thinks that you are able to do a car commercial. I support name, image, and likeness rights for college athletes. I always have, and I always will. But what we've got to stop doing, and we, I'm talking about media mostly, what we've got to stop doing is pretending like college football players are, quote, starting at zero, like I saw somebody suggest over the weekend. Here's how the letter starts. To ensure future generations of college athletes will be treated fairly, we are united. Because NCAA sports exploit college athletes physically, economically, and academically, and also disproportionately harm black college athletes, we are united in rejecting the NCAA's claim that Black Lives Matter while also systemically exploiting black athletes nationwide, we are united. So, that right there. Um, I do think the NCAA has arbitrary and old rules, and they are enforced inconsistently. I do think the NCAA, especially when it comes to the basketball tournament, football, they don't make much money off of football. Uh, they, it's a billion-dollar tournament, and they will do anything to protect the amount of money they make. I firmly do believe that. I think it's a corrupt organization. I do not understand how they are disproportionately harming black college athletes when the same rules apply to their white or any other race or nationality college athletes. They all have to play by the same set of rules, and they are all exploited, if you want to call it that, the same way. It's not just the black athletes that are under 
the NCAA's view, and it's not just the black athletes that are used in promotion items and things like that, and it's not just the black athletes that uh, cannot benefit currently off of their name, image, and likeness. So I would like to hear more if if there is, and that's the biggest problem with this letter, they don't provide any examples of anything. If there is a disproportionate harm to the black athletes as opposed to the white athletes, I would like to see and hear about it. I would like to know what that is because right now this just seems vague and, and unfounded because everybody has to follow by the same set of rules. But let's let's be very clear here. I support them benefiting from their name, image, and likeness, but we have got to stop in the media pretending like college athletes do not get a whole bunch of good. I mean, this is these are Pac-12 players, right? What do you think the value of a degree from Stanford is? Stanford University, Cal Berkeley, UCLA. Great academic institutions in the Pac-12, for the most part. Arizona State's a party school, but I'm sure they've got some great programs too. We have got to stop devaluing what a scholarship brings to a young person. Not just athletes, to anybody. What a college degree does for you. Are there arbitrary restrictions on college athletes? Absolutely. Do I want them changed? Yes. But we have got to stop pretending like college athletes are just abused and and they don't get anything and they're so mistreated. No, they're not. This is such garbage. I don't know where this came from. Where the the arrogance that that some people have when talking about what college athletes get and what they don't and and how they're treated. They get an academic scholarship. They get to go to amazing schools like Stanford or Cal Berkeley. Put your political biases aside. A degree from Berkeley gets you in a lot of doors. And so they get a college degree. And when they leave college, they are completely debt-free, which is not the case for a lot of people hand-raised. They get to go to great academic institutions. They get... Their room and board paid for in full. They don't pay a dime. Their room and board is paid for. They get food whenever they want it. They get health care. If they get hurt, if they get sick, they're taken care of. They have tutors. They have mentors. They get to train at high-class facilities, and they get to play football. They don't have to want for anything. They get a a cost of attendance stipend, which, depending on where you go, is a few thousand bucks at the beginning of, I think it's every semester, but I know they get a check for cost of attendance. We have got to stop pretending like college athletes are just abused and mistreated. They are treated like freaking royalty, and they should be because they generate all the money. But a college scholarship... To be a college football player is a great opportunity. It opens doors for a lot of these kids, and it would have been myself included, by the way. Uh, So it's not a knock on who the college athletes are. This is for a lot of people. I was not given some opportunities uh, because I wasn't a good enough athlete. I would have loved to have gone to Vanderbilt or Stanford if I I had the, the grades that would have gotten me into these places if I was a good athlete. But since I wasn't, I didn't get that opportunity. I also would have loved to have gone to college for free and not have had to pay for anything at all. The opportunities that they get as college athletes is exceptional. And for some reason, we are pretending like they get nothing. 
I saw somebody yesterday, a college football media person, say that college athletes start at zero in these negotiations. Start at zero? The value of a scholar, I mean, just tuition alone at Cal is over $40,000. And we're going to try to pretend like that's nothing? I can't stand that. I don't know where that came from and why we stopped acting like the scholarship isn't a really big deal. And most of these kids aren't really all that valuable. The name, image, and likeness thing, it's what I keep telling you, is there are very few players that would get to make real, actual like money from it. And we're going to pretend like the scholarship's just nothing. Getting a college degree is just nothing. It's worthless. It's starting at zero. It's ridiculous. And so when you draw, when you start here, when this is where you begin your argument, you lose people like me who support college athletes getting paid in the free market. I support that. But when you tell me that they start at zero, I saw somebody yesterday say that the NCAA and school presidents are modern slave masters. I saw that yesterday. That rhetoric is just so stupid. It's so stupid. And they're able to opt out of this season too if they don't want to play for COVID reasons and keep their scholarship. So they don't even have to hold up their end of the agreement, which is they get a scholarship if they play football. They don't even have to play football, and they will still get their education paid for them. They will still get everything. Tutors, food, a place to live, and a nice big fat check. College football players, if they do it right, could leave school completely debt-free with a fantastic education and a few thousand dollars in the bank. You want to know who didn't get any of those? Again, hand-raised, me. And of course, I wasn't a high-level athlete, so nobody profited off of me, but let's not pretend like that's nothing. Like they don't get anything in return for playing football. And it's also a choice. We pretend like, oh, they, they had no choice, that they were forced into college football, that they were forced to receive an excellent education and room and board and, and food and, and money and health care and great coaching and facilities, that they were forced into that. They didn't have a choice whether to embark on that or not. It's ridiculous. So here's some of the, the things that they've asked for, because buried in, uh, buried in a lot of this is a lot of good ideas and a lot of good things buried in the, in the bad. So I'll go through it. They're asking for health and safety protections, uh, allow an option to not play during the pandemic without losing their eligibility or spot on their team's roster. I believe they will uh, I mean, be able to keep their scholarship. I, I don't know about spot on the roster. I, I, I guess that's up to the individual schools to maintain, but that's not unreasonable, right? Uh, I think that's fair. I know a lot of people have feelings about coronavirus and think that it's not going to affect young people at all, but here's the thing. Young people don't just interact with young people. I've seen a couple of college football players and NFL players opt out of the season because they have an underlying health condition or they are very close with somebody who does. They have a child with an underlying health condition or a spouse or a parent, somebody that they interact with regularly that has some kind of a health issue, and so they opt out. I think it is perfectly fine uh, when the, when these people opt out of the season for coronavirus, uh, even if it likely won't affect them, because it won't. The likelihood of an 18- to 22-year-old high-level athlete getting affected by coronavirus 
in any serious manner is next to nothing. But I still understand why some would want to sit out. And they also want um, to get rid of liability waivers. I understand that too. That's not unreasonable at all. They want mandatory uh, COVID-19 safety standards, which is good, but they want a third party to enforce it that they uh, choose, which is interesting because who will pay for that? Will it be you or will it be the school? So the schools will have to pay for a third party that they didn't choose to enforce these COVID standards. That's a little iffy, but hey, if you want more, I don't see a problem with them asking for more. Next up, um, they want Larry Scott, administrators and coaches, to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. They want to end performance and academic bonuses. Wait, back on the first one. So they want, which something I support, them to have no cap on how much they can earn. But they want their administrators and coaches to have a cap on what they can earn. Hmm. Um, if you want free market, free market should apply to everyone. Number two, they want uh, performance and academic bonuses gone away. And this one's actually interesting because if a team wins a national championship, coach gets all kinds of bonuses, $500,000 bonus, but the scholarship for the player doesn't change or, or any of their benefits don't change. So that's an interesting ask and actually one that I understand, especially the academic side. Um, if, if players do well in the classroom, why does the coach get more money? You know? I, so I get that. They want to end lavish facility expenditures and use some endowment funds to preserve all sports. And they say, as an example, Stanford University should reinstate all sports discontinued by tapping into their $27 billion endowment. Well, uh, these guys go to really good schools. Maybe they should have sat down and researched how an endowment fund works because Stanford just can't uh, just pull some money out of their endowment to just give to their sports. That's not really how those funds work. There's some legal issues tied up in endowments where they can't just take money out of their endowment to pay for sports. And if the sport doesn't make any money, they're also a business. And a lot of these sports that they're cutting are, are just money pits. That's all they do. And um, anyway, that, that just doesn't make any sense. It's not really possible. And ending lavish facility expenditures, uh, if you want worse facilities, more power to you. They want to end racial injustice in college sports and society. Here's a couple of things uh, underneath that. For a permanent civic engagement task force made up of our leaders, experts of our choice, and university and conference administrators to address outstanding issues such as racial injustice in college sports and society. Um, again, I, I'm all ears if you want to provide examples of racial injustice in college sports. If black athletes are treated differently than white athletes, I would like to see uh, how? I'm, I'm genuinely really curious about that. Um, I just figured it was all athletes, and not just those in particular. Um, in partnership with the Pac-12, 2% of conference revenue would be directed by players to support financial aid for low-income black students, community initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on each campus. Um, again, it's a fine thing to ask for. If that's, if that's what you want to ask for, that's fine. Nothing unreasonable about that request. 
And number three, form annual Pac-12 Black College Athlete Summit with guaranteed representation of at least three athletes from our choice from every school. If you want to do that, all for it. Here's where they start getting ridiculous. Outside of this one, guaranteed medical expense coverage. They're asking for medical insurance selected by players for sports-related medical conditions, including COVID-19 illness, to cover six years after college athletics eligibility ends. Now, the insurance side of things... Um, I think it's fine if it's something that's directly tied to football. For example, if a senior tears his ACL in his last game of his senior year, the school should cover his rehab and, and stuff like that. I think that's fair for however long that takes. But if you're saying that your school should cover your hospital visit if you do what I did and you're walking down the street I was running, but if you're exercising and you roll your ankle and have to go to the doctor five years after you graduate, the school shouldn't have to cover that. It should be stuff directly tied to football. But but if it's beyond that, I don't see how you can ask for that. The next thing, uh, name, image, and likeness rights and representation. The freedom to secure representation, receive basic necessities from any third party, and earn money for use of our name, image, and likeness. I support that all good. Here's where you start getting really ridiculous. Distribute 50% of each sport's total conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sports. So I think I talked about this a few weeks ago when this first got brought up, but um, here's the thing, Pac-12 athletes. If you start receiving revenue, and this isn't profit, this is 50% of revenue, um, if that's your structure, you then become an employee. And here's what happens when you become an employee. You can get cut at any time. Hired and fired whenever you want. You also don't have to, or you don't get a free education anymore. You have to pay for your own room and board and pay for your tuition to be a college athlete. You still have to go to college. Um, you have to pay for everything at that point, and you become an employee. If you want to do that, that's fine. But when you look at your athletic department's revenue and then you cut that in half, um, it's still a significant amount of money. Peter Burns did a breakdown of how much money each player would potentially earn. And it's a pretty good amount. But then you start cutting it out for taxes and stuff like everybody does. That's not uh, absurd. But then you start adding expenses and um, insurance and stuff like that, and suddenly that money starts really getting smaller and smaller. And what would happen, and maybe they're okay with this, because it's, you know, they need to take care of their own, but all the school will do would just start cutting sports left and right. If they had to take 50% of revenue generated and cut that in half, uh, you know, their girlfriend Sally, the soccer player, wouldn't have a team to play on anymore. And if they're okay with that, you know, more power to them, but I think... They just simply don't want to go down the employee of the university road. It would do so many things negatively for them in their current situation that um, a request like this not only is not reasonable and not going to get fulfilled, but it's, it caps their earning potential or it limits their earning potential. The name, image, and likeness side of things would preserve their ability to get everything for free and also make as much money as they are possibly able to do. Um, that should be the route that they want to take here. But asking for 50% of revenue before expenses will really change 
what life is like for a college football player, especially in a league like the Pac-12 where they don't make near as much money as they do in the SEC. Like there are some uh, Washington State players and they're dealing with all kinds of stuff with what their coach said about how players are getting cut because, or it's going to be a problem if they support this movement. I mean, how much money do they think Washington State is making? It's not that much. And so you have to cut your expenditures in half because you're giving half of your revenue to your players and life in Pullman will not be the same. They just, they don't make as much money as I think some people think they do, especially after you cut it in half. It would really change, really change uh, their life as a, a football player. That this isn't a battle that I think they should be fighting. It should they should stick to name, image, and likeness because becoming an employee of the university opens up a, a can that I don't think they want. And by the way, fifty percent is not what NFL players make. They don't get fifty percent. They don't. So, and that's a league filled with people that have value. Um. And they get watched far more and generate more revenue than Pac-12 football. It's a completely different animal, and NFL players don't get half of the revenue. Number two, they're asking for a six-year athletic scholarship to foster undergraduate and graduate degree completion. Um, you can boycott your school season all you want, but that's not something that they can give you. They can't give that to you. That's out of their hands. That's an NCAA matter. There's nothing that Cal can do when it comes to a six-year athletic scholarship. They can't do that. I mean, they can lobby for it, but they can't give that to you right now, so have fun sitting out the season if you're going to draw a line at any of these. Number three, elimination of all policies and practices restricting or deterring our freedom of speech, our ability to fully participate in charitable work, and our freedom to participate in campus activities outside of mandatory athletics participation. Uh, Two things. Number one, if they do get that 50% total conference revenue and they do become employees of the university, uh, you don't necessarily have freedom to say whatever you want anymore because you are a representative of your company. And if you say something unbecoming of the company, they can fire you. So do you want to be an employee or do you want to have undeterred freedom of speech? Because sometimes those things don't go hand in hand. Uh, The First Amendment only protects you from government prosecution, not from getting fired from a company for uh, representing them in a negative way. Two different things. But also, uh, that's another situation where I would like to see an example of some kind. Because if their freedom of speech on a college campus is getting limited somehow, I would like to know when that, that has happened. When they have stopped you from participating in charities. I mean, is that really happening? If so, I would love to know when, because that's that's absurd. A, a college football coach should love that his player is wanting to participate in charitable work, and if they're stopping you from doing that, they should be exposed. So provide an example. I'd, I'd stand alongside you, because you should be allowed to participate in charity if you want to. Number four, ability of players of all sports to transfer one time without punishment, and additionally in cases of abuse or serious negligence. Again, that is out of your con- your school's hands. That is an NCAA matter. So you can boycott your school's games, but that, that's barking up the wrong tree. That's holding the wrong person responsible for that rule. Um, that's an NCAA matter. That is not your school matter. Number five. 
the ability to complete eligibility after participating in a pro draft if a player goes undrafted and foregoes professional participation within seven days of the draft. Fully support that. That should be a thing already. That's, That's good. Support that. And finally, the last thing they ask for is due process rights. And again, that's another situation where they should um, provide an example. Because when has a college, has a Pac-12 player not been given due process? Because that's a fundamental right to this country, and you should be given due process. So when have you not been? I would like to know when. So that's it. That's what Pac-12 players are asking for. Uh, Not all of these demands are going to be met because some of them are completely out of their school's hands. Some of them are just simply ridiculous, but some of them are actually pretty good. What we have to do, uh, as I close here, to to say this one more time, what we have to do is to stop pretending like the scholarship and the things that come with it don't have any value. We've got to stop doing that because right now it, it just... It is sending such a poor message, and it is really um, just creating a, an atmosphere of misunderstanding. There's true value in a scholarship. We've got to stop pretending like there isn't. They're not starting at zero. But if they want to boycott, that's fine. And if you're asking if this comes to the SEC, I would honestly be surprised. Uh, mostly because a lot of people around here are fighting for their name, image, and likeness rights. Um, I think they understand what will come if they're just a patient just a little bit longer, what can come to them soon uh, with their name, image, and likeness. And maybe, you know, in some cases, more players at certain SEC schools are getting taken care of more so than at their Pac-12 counterpart. I don't know. I mean, maybe it does come to the SEC, but I have a feeling that gets shut down pretty quickly. Um, some of these demands are, are good, but it's unfounded. And this is the absolute worst time to ask for it, too. I mean, when everybody's cutting budgets and revenues in a free fall, you're asking for 50% of it right now. It's um, bad timing, at least from the revenue side of things. But anyway, so I don't think that's going to come to the SEC, at least not this year. Uh, I mean, once name, image, and likeness rights are secured, which will be soon, problems like this uh, are going to go away. Uh, I don't think this is going to stick around for much longer. So, anyway. All right, thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the show this morning or afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Can't thank you enough uh, for continuing to listen to this podcast as we move forward through the pandemic and on our way to football season, which is happening, or at least it's going to start. Anyway, so again, thank you so much for tuning in. Really appreciate you guys so much. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Reach out if you'd like to uh, to talk about anything you hear here or have any feedback. Uh, leave a rating and a review also if you're so inclined. And uh, we will talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.